I was talking to someone this afternoon and they said, Father, the hits just keep coming in 2020. Now the president has COVID-19. I read an article this past week about wildfires in California that detailed that nearly 200 restaurants and vineyards have been destroyed, including a dozen vineyards. So sad, but also frustratingly typical in 2020. Our nation's California vineyards are signs of affluence and wealth that in an instant have been destroyed that once again leave us feeling uneasy at the fragility of our prosperity. No wonder some people feel like this is the end times that are spoken about in sacred scripture. In Jesus' day, vineyards had the same mystique, if you will. They were signs of ancient prosperity, and this is the third week in a row that we hear the parables about vineyards. Jesus begins by painting a picture of a first century vineyard of which his audience, largely the scribes and the Pharisees, would be familiar. A vineyard hedge was a thick-grown hedge of thorns and briars which would naturally keep wild boars and other animals from plundering the produce. They also kept grape-stealing thieves at bay. Every vineyard included a wine press within those walls. It would either be dug out of rock or constru- constructed with stone blocks or bricks and consisted of two troughs, one slightly higher than the other with a little path that connected the two at the floor level. So when the grapes were pressed largely by people's feet, the grape juice would drain and settle in that lower trough. The tower served a a couple of purposes. The foreman could assess the work and give orders from that tower. Its lookout also was used to guard against thieves in Jesus' day. And inside was often lodging for vineyard workers during the busy season. The arrangement between the landowner and tenants of which Jesus speaks was kind of typical of the day. Landowners would build a vineyard and lease it out to the tenants. And in the fall of the year, before the heavy rains would come at the end of September, the landowners would collect rent. He might have collect a previously agreed upon sum of money or an amount of produce or a percentage of the total produce that was harvested. At face value, it seems pretty fair and above boards to someone like me. So why the violent reaction when the tenants are asked to pay up? Well, unfortunately, sometimes there was unrest created by economic, economic hardships. A bad growing season, for example, occasional unfair business practices of landowners, and it often crested, uh, created tenseness and hostility toward landowners leading to the violence of which Jesus speaks. So if it wasn't necessary, necessarily out of the ordinary, would it actually have extended to the landowner's family, most particularly the murder of the son that would lead the tenants to gain the vineyard? It seems very implausible to us today, but the answer to that question is possibly. For according to Jewish law, if a Jewish landowner died without an heir, the tenants who worked the land had first claim. Therefore, with the elimination of the son, the only person standing in the way of the impending inheritance, 
was the father himself. Putting aside the legalities of such a messy affair, it was in fact a plausible outcome in the time of Jesus, which is why this great story was a great story for a parable that typically would always pack a punch, seemingly some injustice that had to be rectified. Putting some explanation around the parable, the vineyard, of course, is the nation of Israel, the the chosen people of God. The owner of the vineyard, of, of course, is God. The tenants are the religious leaders of Israel who again and again were responsible for the cultivation of of fruitful holiness and the well-being of the people of Israel, but they began to fail. The servants sent by the landowner are the prophets who God sent to warn, to encourage, to challenge, and to reassure, yet were often greeted with threats of violence and hostility and even death. The son of the story, it's not a stretch, is Jesus, who was sent by his heavenly father, who, of course, was killed. Yet is it an interesting that God trusts his workers, even at the cost of his son's life? Just as the landowner gave the tenants a fully equipped vineyard in which to work and produce, God creates the possibilities for fruitfulness and success for us as well. Perhaps even foolishly so, because often we turn away from him, yet he provides us with the opportunities and resources and trusts that we will make the most of them to bear fruit for ourselves and for him. Further, God has given us all unique vineyards in which to work. The circumstances of our daily lives as husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and citizens, teachers, workers, children, Christians, and so on. And yet we often forget that all of those blessings were molded by God himself for us to produce fruit for him. Having responded responsibly or at times having responded similarly to the dastardly tenets of our gospel today. The first reading from Isaiah echoes the same truth. A friend of Isaiah owns a fertile hillside and he spades it. He clears it of stones, plants what he thinks are the choicest vines, builds the traditional tower, installs the typical wine press, and then anticipates an excellent and abundant harvest. But what he gets instead are wild grapes that are good for nothing. We feel the painful lack of reward and compensation for all of that hard work. Having been a gardener as a child with my family, I have felt the frustration when the growing conditions weren't ideal, say for too hot or not enough water, when bugs or animals have destroyed the crop. It's a great illustration of the disappointment of God and his people who have not acted justly and with compassion, most especially to the lowly and the oppressed. As it said, we said before Mass, today is Respect Life Sunday in the context of Respect Life Month. Throughout this month, we are highlighting the many ways that we can bear fruit 
by defending life and those who suffer in the womb, on the deathbed, in war-torn areas, in our streets that have been invaded by violence and strife. We even produced a calendar that is in the bulletin this weekend with the specific and simple ideas that we can give a harvest to God this month. The misuse of God's vineyard can leave us feeling discouraged and hopeless, which is why we are encouraging our parishioners to follow the prayer of St. Francis, whose feast is today, that we should so love our simple call to fulfill God's call to each of us that St. Paul also encouraged in our second reading today, that is to do whatever is true, honorable, just, lovely, and gracious. And he pleads with us to keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in him. Some wonder where we are headed this year. But Jesus and St. Paul tell us that we will be freed from violence and hatred that is plaguing us by going back to the basics of our faith. And the God of peace will be with us.